Yeah, we've got the gang here. All right, let's get started for office hours today. Uh, my guest is Vince Menzion of CloudWave Partners. Vince, thanks for joining me. I'm, I'm honored and privileged to be here today, Mike. Thanks for having me. You're used to being on the other side of kind of the uh, the podcast microphone, or you know, in this case, we're doing the video cast because you've been doing your Ultimate Guide to Partnering podcast for a while now. But today, you are the subject. You're the one that's going to be interviewed. Yeah, it's, it feels a little different after 37 interview episodes, right? So, uh, and and having video is a little unique, but uh, glad to be here. That's good. We we appreciate it. So. Uh, office hours for us is just an opportunity to get channel professionals together, have a conversation, ask questions, those kind of things. So, so maybe let's start a little bit with an introduction. So you've been doing this podcast that I referred to, but um, that's something new for you. So why don't you give the folks who are watching a little bit of background on, on you and your career? Yeah, happy to do that. Um, so I've described my career as consisting of three significant transformations. The first was in the early days of wireless computing with a company that we took mainstream. Uh, in the early days of wireless, took it from $6 million to about $125 million, went public on the Toronto Exchange. It was a great time. Um, I followed some of the leadership from that organization to a turnaround, and I built a new business for them, a new channel, in fact, in the public sector space, and that's how I cut my teeth in public sector. We had a very successful divestiture, and then I spent nine years at Microsoft running the U.S. public sector partner strategy, which was about a $4.6 billion business across federal government, state and local government, education and healthcare, quite a significant channel in fact, and then was a member of the U.S. partner leadership team. I left Microsoft late last year and decided to pursue my passions around disruptive technology, transformation and partnerships. And this is a time where all of these things are converging. Uh, there's never been a better time to be in the technology space. Uh, from a disruptive technology perspective, I mean, it's amazing what's happening, incredible uh, outcomes that are going on. All of the organizations in the space are needing to transform, so there's a lot of work there with organizations to help them along their journey. And uh, I, I feel that after all my years of experience, I'm somewhat expert in the world of partnerships and building great partnerships and channels. Um, and Mike, are you there? I, I can't see you on the screen here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, uh, you know, uh, this... The podcast was an outgrowth of some of that. I was listening to podcasts myself and found that uh, nobody was covering this topic the way that it should be, especially in the Microsoft ecosystem. I had built some great relationships internally and externally, both with Microsoft partner executives as well as with uh, channel partners that have gotten it right working in the channel and uh, started interviewing them, exploring what made great partnerships, exploring what's happening in the world of transformation right now because it's, ha it's happening so fast. And I uh, started consulting to organizations that needed help there and are struggling. And many organizations are struggling. They're struggling with the relationship with their vendors uh, as they are transforming. Companies like Microsoft going through huge change and transformation. They're struggling with how to transform their own organizations during this time, right? Moving from the old models of partnership, the transactional business model of selling product and services on-premise to this new cloud and SaaS model. And uh, they're also struggling in terms of just adapting to the financial models and the like and building out their own channels and the right strategies to support it. So it's a great time to be doing what I'm doing. I'm having a blast, having a great time as CloudWave partners and uh, helping a lot of companies do what uh, they need to do to be successful. So what do you think as you're talking to uh, all these companies from your podcast and as you are doing consulting work for companies, 
you know, relative to the cloud and kind of cloud sales, what do you think is the, the most common mistake that you see brands making as they try to make this transformation happen with partners? Well, I, I think for in the beginning, I would say, and this is going here, it's, it's changing so fast right now. I would say that the transformation is now happening faster than organizations expected it to happen. So I don't think a lot of organizations were ready for how fast this transformation was happening. So they're accelerating their pace of change. Uh, organizations like Microsoft and the like are shifting very quickly to new models. And of course, they're trying to incent their partners along the journey. So I think that, you know, from a misstep perspective, I would say that probably they weren't making the changes fast enough either in their own organizations, in the way they engaged with those partner organizations, uh, and they weren't aligning their strategies the right way to do so. And I think that you're starting to see that it's coming, it's starting to come together the second half of this year now where organizations are, are starting to get better aligned to support this new model. So as they suffer with this problem around the, the transformation and kind of making the pivot, uh, you know, the, a lot of the in the, the demand generation side of it, kind of working with partners to generate more demand, are right. you seeing changes in that space and kind of how they work together and collaborate with partners as well? Uh, yeah, I would say yes. The um, I think what, what I'm finding is this whole B2B model is evolving. Uh, there are a lot of uh, SaaS-based solutions out there looking to find ways to market. And um, where there has been some pain and some struggle is how do I how do I scale up my business, right? I've got a SaaS-based solution, let's say, for instance, in the uh, doing a lot of work in public safety and uh, smart cities initiatives right now. And some of these organizations are small. They don't have the resources, uh, and they don't have the connection points to other organizations. So they're they're looking they're building those from from the ground up, and so it's, it's you know they are they are sort of in that bootstrapping mode, if you will, uh, and they're looking for organizations that can help them. They're looking for organizations that provide services, that provide software, that provide a route to market or a marketplace approach to get their product to market to help them get to their customers more quickly. And everyone is looking to get to ubiquity quickly, right? I mean, that's the, that's the goal, get to be a ubiquitous solution. The SaaS, offer, the SaaS model offers that in a way now than, than never before uh, with the opportunity to take a, a piece of IP and bring it to market and scale it across, you know, hundreds and thousands of organizations. Yeah, it seems like the role of partners uh, facilitating kind of, kind of pulling pieces together hasn't changed, you know, with the cloud. It's more, you know, you may be going to Dropbox and signing up for a subscription and Adobe and signing up for a subscription and Microsoft for signing up for a subscription. But in terms of pulling all these pieces together, it's not just point and click simplicity. There's still a role for partners to play in bringing it together. And quite frankly, explaining to customers what they might need and how they might pull together diverse pieces because brands are still doing a pretty bad job at kind of stitching all that work together there's still yep. a role that partners play in the middle. That Would you agree with that? I, I, I would. I'd say the role of the partner has changed, where the partner was pulling together all the pieces, right? And they were, you know, somewhat, you know, like, you know boxes, basically, in, in the old days, right? I think there's more reliance today on the brand to build out their brand, though. And I, I do think that there is a stickiness to the customer that the partner, the channel, needs the brand to build out. 
And what I mean by that is that um, it's it's really important to own the brand and help help the partner along the journey to uh, to mainstream with the with the product and the solution. Where the partner really comes in is the end facing customer relationship, the ability to help the sales process along, as well as supporting the customer on the back end, right, in more of an MSP type model in the cloud world. And I think that's some some organizations are still struggling with that part of the transformation, right? Because they're used to the traditional models. Yeah, I've seen some of our clients here at Averitech even they will do some work, which I think is helpful to partners, where they'll bring together a couple of different components of a solution and create a joint campaign, right? Multiple brands, and then give that to a partner. And it reminds me of uh, back in my Microsoft days, we had the HP Microsoft Frontline Partnership. Yep. Right, and it was kind of those kind of pieces together, and I think that's helpful because channel partners who have the inclination and the skills and the aptitude to be able to pull together a bunch of brand messages, synthesize those, and go deliver those to customers, I think those companies are rare. I don't think that there uh, are a lot of companies who really know how to do that well. So they end up doing a bunch of kind of single point solution campaigns and try to tell a story that stitches it together. I think that's something they struggle with, that if brands partnered up more like HP, Microsoft, or you know, some of our clients, um, I think it helps get that story and ultimately helps improve the learning on the, the part of the end customer. Yeah. And, and some organizations are taking an industry approach, right? So to your point, mm -hmm. they're stitching together multiple solutions. Maybe it's around the area of security. Maybe it's around healthcare. Some other big bets. I mentioned uh, smart cities initiatives where there are, you know, kind of a loosely coupled or stitched solution set. One example would be in public safety, where mm -hmm. Internet of Things comes into play with uh, gunshot detection or holster detection, where I know that a, a police officer has removed a gun from their holster and it can be tied into other solutions in law enforcement. So there's APIs that are being created between these solutions to kind of stitch together a complete solution and then showcase those solutions uh, and this is where the vendors come in and helping enable their channels, both their their brand channel partners as well as their their uh, their reseller partners, to then take that solution to market or to demonstrate a set of skills and capabilities to a you know in the case in this case a law enforcement agency to say this is the art of the possible this is what can be done. Yeah, and I you know you're giving kind of the public safety example there, and that's. When we first met, you were in the public sector job at Microsoft, and you still have, you know, a good involvement there. Um, it seems to me like the pace of innovation is picking up somewhat in public sector, where we always thought of public sector previously as being years and years behind the commercial space, right? They just didn't have the same get up and go or the drive to kind of innovate because who cares, right? It's, you know, public sector. But it seems more like these, uh, whether it's the, the, the safety uh, initiatives, uh, I even see in my little town here in Massachusetts a lot of communication initiatives using platforms, you know, social media, yeah. next door, those kind of things. Seems like there's still, or it seems like the pace of innovation is picking up. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Uh, and a lot of it was tied to regulatory issues, right? So policy matters come into play in government, and the use of cloud, public cloud, was forbidden in many places until. Mm -hmm until the, the hyperscalers, the vendors that are providing those cloud services have the right certifications. In the case, case of like uh, justice and public safety, there's a certification called CJIS, which is the Criminal Justice and Information Systems Certification. That's, for the, that's an FBI requirement around information sharing and data privacy. 
And so organizations need to feel comfortable that the vendor is supporting that type of policy or regulation environment. Same is true in healthcare and other industries. Federal government is another one where there's federal regulations and the program called FedRAMP there. But um, what's happened now is because the vendors, the hyper, first of all, the hyperscalers are they're, they're making the costs incredibly less than running your own data center. So the issue of moving to, and, and the security is just as good, not better. The technology is the best. And so it makes no sense to host the data in your own data center any longer. It just doesn't make economic sense. doesn't make security sense. There's a lot of reasons why it makes sense to move to a public cloud infrastructure. And the ability to take IP and replicate it means that organizations that, like small organizations like your town, can utilize the same type of technology that cities like New York, Chicago, and Philadelphia are implementing at a fraction of the cost of doing it themselves. And mm, yeah. Well, it's exciting to see where things go. And I think it's um, years ago, we used to talk about this concept yeah. of the consumerization of IT. And, you know, people who use, you know, smartphones for everything and kind of expectations when you come to work and when you deal with your local and state and national government now as well. So I think those are good initiatives. And quite frankly, from an IT standpoint, from the industry, yeah. it's just going to create more and more spending, uh, right? Because more and more of those digital initiatives are going to drive projects that are going to create opportunities for brands and for channel partners because people have uh, a higher propensity to change, whereas I'll, they I'll might have been example really that crosses over the both the commercial sector so. and the public sector with a company that I've done business with that has created a Facebook-like app for retailers to track um, uh, petty theft and shoplifting that happens in their retail stores, feed that information through a Facebook interface to both the law enforcement agencies in their community, as well as to other retailers to really cut down on shoplifting. Shoplifting is a huge crime in the United States. I mean, it's in the tens of billions of dollars annually and so here they're bringing, you know, again, that consumerization of IT, taking that natural Facebook type interface that we're all used to, mm. applying it to a problem that they all have, and then sharing information amongst the organization, sort of in a Facebook type of manner, right? So everyone could be aware of what's happening and proactively deal with the issue. Mm. Interesting stuff. Cool. Well, definitely some opportunities, I think, as we look ahead to 2018 and embracing some of these opportunities, wherever, you know, we talk a, a lot here at Averitech about friction. You know, wherever you can find friction, you know, that's an opportunity to improve a situation. And sometimes there are money-making opportunities there. And definitely there is with the digital transfer. Seventeen has been and kind of helping with that. So, um, so you said you're kind of in this in December. Um, and you guy who's you know you're used to having kind of a, a good you know size company to work for. You know when you're at Microsoft and a lot of training and all that. Now you're doing uh, CloudWave partners working independently. When you think about keeping yourself sharp, what are some of the tools well, you or know, resources or websites that you use to keep to yourself really on, front and center, on kind right? of cutting so edge? Anytime I need information. I want to learn something. I, I, I know where to reach out on LinkedIn and find lots of guests that want to participate mm -hmm. on the podcast. I'm staying sharp that way. 
And certainly the research that I do around a particular topic for the podcast yeah. allows me that, uh, that, that ability. I certainly, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm reading articles all the time on LinkedIn. There's, there's a lot of great information and posts. I stay current with Twitter. I use that as a resource. Uh, and of course, I'm connected to a lot of like-minded people in the channel on Twitter. And, um, you know, I'm using our, our, our typical search tools to do that, you know, researching organizations, keeping up. Uh, I, I stay current with the Microsoft partner community. Um, and I pr I'm a contributor to that community as well through my, uh, through my blog posts. So uh, great opportunities there for me to stay very sharp on, or at least try to stay sharp on some of the current topics and, and the trends and follow them real time. And then from a, a tools or uh, any kind of on your phone, that well, you're, you know, uh, other than my gadgets podcast, or anything that you have that, that you are really relying on these days that you want to share? Watching today, you probably don't care very much about. The one tool that I've started using that I've found has been a real time saver for me is Schedule Once. And, uh, you know, it's now very easy. It's on my, on my signature page or my signature uh, on my email. Mm -hmm. And people can just click there. And they can schedule an appointment. And we don't have to go back and forth several times and try and find a time that, to meet because I find that I'm having lots of conversations with lots of people. And uh, it just cuts down on all that back and forth banter. And then the other thing it does is it schedules a Zoom meeting. It will uh, provide alerts and, uh, and updates to people if the uh, schedules change or reminders that will let them know that the meeting is starting you know, tomorrow or the next hour and that kind of thing. And people that interact with me, love using it. I get a lot of positive feedback on it. So it's a, it's a great tool. Yeah, I think it's amazing, I guess, still that in 2017, about to turn 2018, that we still have such trouble yeah. scheduling meetings and these systems aren't just kind of uh, out there and used by everyone. But uh, for is. services like Schedule Once, I think I it's like rather seven than or have a half a dozen. Something emails like go that. back it's and kind forth of before you find a time that works like that. checking calendars and getting That's other people tip. involved in the process. Exactly. Exactly. And time zones and all that. Yeah, exactly. Good. All right. Well, I know we've been working to try to get this on the calendar for a while, Ben, so I appreciate your time and thanks for sharing some of your insights with us. Uh, definitely, if you're interested in connecting with Vince, I put his link into the uh, the chat here so you can find him on LinkedIn. Uh, but he's pretty easy guy to find. And um, I definitely recommend, if you are interested, uh, the podcast I think is a great resource because, as Vince has said, he's getting with uh, a lot of different leaders across many different businesses, both brands, uh, partners, uh, industry folks, so that you get a lot of different perspectives. And it's a great way to to really hear what's on their minds and, and the things that they're working on with their business partners. So I um, uh, definitely want to recommend that. But uh, thanks, Vince, for your time and for, uh, for working on the schedule. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate being and, your guest. Uh, Have a great and day. And we'll see you on the next episode of Office Hours.